Hi, and welcome to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Yay! Yay! Reunited, (laughs) and it feels... Although we've seen each other, I think, three out of seven days this this week. week. Yes. Yeah. That's nice. That is nice. Yeah. Why did we see each other? Meetings? We home group on Wednesday, service on Thursday. Oh, yeah, right. Today's podcast. Yep. Yeah, it. it was a pretty good week. Then last weekend we were at Besties for mm-hmm. a pool party oh. sisters dinner. Yes. That was fun. Which we have to do again. Yes. It's going to be nice. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we did get to see each other a lot this week. Very nice. I was going to say, oh, and then we saw each other for dinner, but we were at the same restaurant at different tables. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It was a little weird. It was. I was like, oh, oh. And instantly I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think I should have extended the invitation to them. Because in the last minute, I just thought, oh, I, I'm going to see if my wife wants to go out to dinner. And, well, Sarah's right in the neighborhood. She always likes to come for a little early pad thai dinner before the meeting. And then mm-hmm. I thought, I haven't really sat down with Karen in a while, so I'll invite Karen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it happened. And then my wife didn't end up coming because she'd had such a bad day at work. So then it was, yeah, Karen and Sarah and I. And then we walk in and you and Sharon are sitting at another table. It was like, yep. felt like I was cheating on you guys. It makes me laugh because this particular restaurant's right around the corner from our home group. And sometimes 75% of the people in there are going to our meeting. I would swear. And I'm thinking, I wonder, it's just such a funny thing. It's almost like an undercover recovery restaurant where if the people that were sitting around knew where we were from or where we were going, would that be funny to them? Would it be weird? Are they in recovery? It's kind of like being part of a secret society. Yeah. Brings a different meaning to you are no longer alone. <laughs> we stalk you. <laughs> you never know where we are. Yeah. We're in the same restaurants. We're sitting next to you. Um, so I don't know what topic we're going to talk about, but I was at a meeting this morning and I heard a gentleman, uh, what an amazing speaker. And um, this guy talked about, you know, life happening, life on life's terms. And he, he had uh, lost his wife. Mm-hmm. And um, and he talked about how he stayed sober through that and how even though... But then there was other side effects to life happening, like anger and uh, resentment and frustration. And But he just got deeper into the program mm-hmm. and it helped him gain his... He said, it gain, helped me gain my serenity back, my peace uh, and my sanity. It was really great. And the other thing he said was um, that I really liked was he's an ambassador... Uh, for AA, he used to be an international asshole because he, <laughs> <laughs> he would drink around the world and, you know, be an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and he said, now I travel around the world and I feel like I am an international ambassador for Alcoholics Anonymous mm. without anyone knowing mm. that I'm an ambassador for Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, I Anonymous. love that. Yeah. Because he's like, I just, I behave better today. Yeah. You know, and, but you, know, you don't go around telling complete strangers, yes, well. <laughs> It's all because of Alcoholics Anonymous. You might share that <laughs> at a meeting, but yeah. yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I, I love going to meetings. I have shift work, so I can't always get to my home group. So I love going to other meetings and, um, and I'm going away. I have a couple days off coming up, so I'm going away to a friend's cottage. And I'm not going to be at my home group this week. So it was really important for me to me get to neither. a couple meetings on the weekend. Yep. I go to meetings up north. Yeah, I haven't yet done that. I should do that. They're very different. I love them. Yeah. It's kind of hard to describe. It's kind of like, I don't know how to explain it. A mix between like an old timer, small town in the basement family meeting. I don't know how else to describe it. 
but they're not they're unapologetic for how hardcore they are and with their message where I find we're a little bit more dainty and we <laughs> like um tiptoe a little bit here yes I just find maybe it's because in the smaller towns there's more old timers who knows maybe. that's just my experience but yeah so I go to meetings up there and I really like them I feel that my uh, my sponsor belongs to a home group, which is kind of like, makes me think of the ones up north where um, if you com- if you get off topic in any way, the chairperson, some old crusty dude, will say, uh, "Yeah, thanks." Next. <laughs> yeah, unfiltered and unapologetic. Yeah. I'm actually more comfortable in that kind of an environment than having to worry about that guy cross-talked and nobody said anything and this person's using this as a therapy session and that newcomer is a hot mess and maybe shouldn't be sharing that right now or whatever it is. Yeah. And you know, there's it's sort of like, I don't know, there's sort of this thing in the city where I feel like we all have a certain way of sharing or speaking that is a little bit like broken record. It's like you can recognize immediately when someone is from a city doing a share or a talk and then you get to outside of the city to a smaller meeting and it just sounds and feels different. I like it. It's more raw. Yeah. And I I, I, I think when I was early in sobriety that would have offended me, that kind of um, interruption or talk or guidance. Um, but now I would just be like, yeah, that's awesome. I can't believe they just did this. Yeah. I'm going to just do a little quick live video. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right. This is uh, going up on our Facebook page, Two Sober Chicks. I'm fresh from the gym. Because I just think it's adorable. This is where we do our podcast now. <laughs> and there's Eddie, my little white Eddie dog. Eddie Patetti. Yeah. is uh, sitting next to Julie. And there you can see some of our podcast topics are on that paper. Yeah. From our little Two Sober Chicks jar. We have Ego, 13th Stepping, When Someone's a- Faith is Shaken, Step three prayer, which neither of us can recall, which is hilarious. <laughs> We're like, my creator, I am now ready. Wait a second, is no, that it? That's all right. Make me an instrument of thy peace. Nope, that's St. Francis. <laughs> well, which I'd love to talk about too. Um, anyway, and we, we lit some candles today. Uh, and we said that yeah. we hope that we share a message of uh, hope uh, for whoever is listening to our podcast today. Yeah. So I will end that now. Thank you so much for Bye-bye. tuning in. And you can... Uh, Find our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud. We hope to hear from you soon. There. All right. So that was a little Facebook live Two in one. Two birds, one stone. Yes. Share it now. Okay. All right. What do you want to chat about? So um, let's do the St. Francis prayer. Okay. Just want to. So would you like to read that for us? Sure. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. It was interesting when someone first handed me that uh, little prayer card, uh, and um, and they gave it to me because I, you know, they gave it to me because I was always complaining about um, my situation. (laughs) They didn't have words for you anymore. They just went like this. Here's 
Here's the fucking prayer card. Not even going to say anything. Go home Shove it in your face. Not once a day. Three times a day. <laughs> you need to triple up, you know? It's like telling somebody uh, who's new, you need to go to two meetings a day instead of one. That's how sick yeah, you Yeah, going are. how many meetings you go to a day? Double that. <laughs> yes. Mm. So they gave me this and they told me to read this. And it actually made me so angry because I'm like... But I already give. I already love. Mm. I already understand people. I'm the consoler. Mm. I'm the doer. I'm the giver. No one ever does these things for me. Don't you understand? Poor me. Poor me. Yeah, poor me. I was having a pity party uh, every day almost my entire life. And we talked about, um, you know, basically having your own pity party is being a victim to your life. Yep. You know, you're not taking control of your life. Um, you're being a victim to it. So, which basically means everybody else is running your life. Right. It depends upon the actions of others and what you're getting. Yeah. Your happiness. Yeah. Or your misery. Um, anyway, and so I didn't do it right away. I just put it up on a fucking shelf and I ignored it for years. Resented the shit out of it. <laughs> and the person who gave it to me. Uh, and then they died. And then I was really like, oh my Whoops. God. <laughs> Probably thought I did that. Um, but then eventually I started to do it and I started to read it. And whenever I was feeling frustrated or I felt like I wasn't getting the love that I wanted or, you know, people weren't thinking about me the way I should. And I started to do it. And how that changed my life was it started to help me, um, think of other people. And in thinking of other people, then I thought of myself less. Mm -hmm. So over time I became less selfish and less self-centered. Um, but I had to force myself to think of other, you know, to do that prayer yeah. and to look at it in those ways. And it's sometimes that's the biggest challenge when you're new in recovery, because whatever we're thinking or whatever we're feeling is so hard to override with another action. Yeah. And I, and I had to replace those thoughts and those feelings because like my sponsor says, that's what was wrong with me. You know, I was very upset and sad and bitter and resentful yeah. for a good portion of my life. And I don't, think I'm that person anymore I have you know I have bad moments because I'm a human being um but that's something like that can turn me around now I can say that for you know a couple of days straight and I start to change my attitude well and now it comes back to you like the more love you're giving out you're receiving an equal measure and then you can't deny the question the connection between giving and receiving and you talked a little while ago on a podcast about what we feed or maybe it was in an Instagram post yeah, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. That's amazing. So and in doing that prayer, that St. Francis of Assisi prayer, every day, I was starving the pity party. Yes. I was starving the misery. I was starving the victimhood. Which I think you're starving your addiction. Because I think it's often our addiction that's talking and we think it's us. It's the thing that wants us to feel those things because then we feed our addiction by not wanting to feel those things by drinking and using. Like there was a um, guy at the jail yesterday and we had a 12-step discussion and he said, um, but why is it so hard to admit? He's like, I know that I can't drink anymore, but in equal measure, I hear, yes, you can. Yeah. Why is it so hard to admit that I'm powerless and my life is unmanageable? I said, because you're confronting the biggest lie your addictions ever wanted you to believe, which is that you have power over your addiction and you're managing just fine thank you very much and our little gurus um our aa heroes joe and charlie just like dr bob and bill mm -hmm. but joe and charlie um have talked a lot about 
the insanity of our addiction. Mm-hmm. And it is as simple as, you know, you believe the lies your addiction is telling you. Yeah. Maybe today will be different. Yeah. It's been two years since I've had a drink, so I, I'm not an alcoholic. Or as a speaker at our um, group shared within the last couple of weeks, it's probably one of the best things I've ever heard in the rooms. And when he said it, I got the chills. And he said, in addition, he was talking about how cruel addiction is. And he said the worst thing that can happen to an alcoholic is they go out and they pick up a drink and nothing happens. And they start to think, oh, well, look at that. Maybe I can do this. I'll just try control drinking or maybe I'm not an alcoholic. And I never thought of it that way, but that's so powerful because that's how my my relapse was. Yes, I wanted to get drunk on the first sip after two and a half years of not drinking, but nothing <laughs> bad happened that night. I think I had two glasses of wine, maybe three. Yeah. And then I didn't drink that week and I had some more drinks on the weekend and I was like, oh my gosh, well, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. And then a week later, I had my first hangover, and then another one the day after, and it was like, oh, shit. That fucked me up for a really long time. In Before I even came to AA, and then in my early days of AA, I would say that to my sponsor. I'm like, well, how come sometimes mm. when I drink, I don't even get drunk? I can drink and drink and drink and drink, and I am sober as a judge. I, I don't even feel the effects of alcohol. And then there are other times where I'll have four drinks... And it'll be like I've had 24 drinks. It just affects me. And that was why it was so important for me to understand uh, the disease of body and mind. Mm -hmm. So it affects me in one way through my mind. And then the other way, it's like I have an allergic reaction. I don't react the same way. So cool. Anyway, that reminded me of this thing I saw online the other day. And I copied it because I hadn't heard it in a while. Uh, Have you heard it's I am your disease? No. You haven't heard this one? No, but I'm very excited right now. You're going to love it. Okay. So uh, it was written by somebody unknown. So very fitting for our program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I am your disease. Hello. Sorry, I got to put my tea down. Just in case you forgot me, I am your disease. I hate meetings. I hate higher powers. And I hate your program. To all who come in contact with me, I wish you suffering and death. Oh my God. Allow me to introduce myself. (sighs) I am the disease of addiction. I am cunning, baffling, and powerful. I have killed millions and I am so pleased. I love to catch you with the element of surprise. I love pretending I am your friend and your lover. I have given you comfort, haven't I? Wasn't I there for you when you were lonely? When you wanted to die? Didn't you call on me? I was there. Uh, I love to make you hurt. I love to make you cry. Better yet, I love to make you so numb you can't neither hurt nor cry. Mm. When you can't feel anything at all, that's my true glory. And all that I ask from you is long-term suffering. I've been there for you always. When things were going right in your life, you invited me in. You said you didn't deserve these good things, and I was the only one who would agree with you. Together, we were able to destroy all the good things in your life. People don't take me seriously. Uh, sorry. Fools. Oh, that's underlined. People don't take me seriously. Fools. Uh, Without my help, these things would not be possible. 
I am such a hated disease, and yet I do not come uninvited. You choose to have me. So many have chosen me over reality and peace. More than you hate me, I hate all of you who have a 12-step program. Your program, your meetings, and higher power, all of these weaken me, and I can't function in the manner I am accustomed to. Now I must lie here quietly in wait. You don't see me, but I am growing bigger than ever. I am here waiting and waiting until we meet again. I wish you suffering and death. Sincerely, your disease. Oh my God, that is so horrifying. Like, I kept getting chills the whole time you were reading that. Me too. Oh, it's awful. It's like the worst horror movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> can you send that to me? Yeah, sure. I have someone in mind I need to send that to. Okay. Um, and we can post it. We'll Ooh, post it on That's uh, a great idea. Facebook, and maybe you can make one of those beautiful little, what do you call them, memes on Instagram? Okay, yeah. I don't know if you can fit that on a meme. I pr- no, there's no way I can fit that much. <laughs> but we can Facebook it. You can put it on Facebook, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember I, I heard Holy that one a Jesus. long time ago, and then it, I, somebody just posted it on Sober Grid, and uh, and I, I was able to take a copy of it, so wow. it was amazing. Yeah, I had chills through the whole thing, too, because that really sums it up. It's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. Um, Lisa and I did some service work this week, and I was telling a friend of mine, it's really easy for me to forget how bad it was because I live pretty much almost always in a state of happy, joyous, and free from the ravages of my addiction. Mm. So to go and do service work where I can see basically what I was like at the beginning of my journey is like, oh yeah, I forgot it was that bad. Mm-hmm. I forgot. So it's that's why service is so important. It's not just about giving to other people. It's being reminded of how far you've come. That's why you'll often hear uh, sponsors say to a new newcomer, Um, you do as much for me as I do for you. You know, by working with somebody new, we are reminded of where we came from and that the disease is baffling, cunning and powerful and it can take us, it can take us out in a second. Yeah. If you are not vigilant. Um, I've known lots of people who have had years of sobriety and, uh, you know, something happens. Maybe they pull away. We have a very good friend who I don't know how many years she was in the program, but she went out for eight years, not out drinking, She just stopped being a part of AA. Mm -hmm. And she said, my life was miserable. I was dry and I was angry and upset and irritable. And she said, finally, uh, my partner said to me, you need to go back to AA. (laughs) Get a little sanity in your life. It's a a good reminder when we hear those things from other people too. That's why we share our experience at meetings. Yeah. Eddie, you're so cute. Well... All right, this has been a, a long one today as we just rambled on. I like it when we just ramble, have Why our not? tea. It's like ramble. you're here with us and we're just chit-chatting and hanging out. Yeah. It's easy. This is how it started, you know, Julie and I just sitting around talking about uh, recovery and program, and then one day we decided to record it. Yep. And here it is. Two Sober Chicks was born. Yeah, and we love you guys. Thanks a lot for joining us. If you'd like to send us an email, let us know what you think about the program, or if you have a topic suggestion, the email is the number two, soberchicks at gmail.com. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Two Sober Chicks.